MVP wild card week. TJ Hernandez, our four for four director of forecasting for DFS. Does that sound right, TJ? Yeah, no, direct, director, director of DFS. Yeah, it works. We got I threw all the a words forecast, in there. Threw a forecast in for I'm off to a rousing start tonight. It's the uh, DFS MVP podcast. What the heck were we listening to right there? It was amazing. Classic Don't Sweat the Technique from Eric B. and Rakim from their... Don't Sweat the Technique album released in 1992. You can find that on the DFS MVP Spotify playlist. Uh, just go to Spotify, search DFS MVP, and you can find that song and all the rest of the songs to our intros uh, there on that playlist. Uh, we got the wild card weekend breakdown here. Saturday, two games. Sunday, two games. And we'll be running down plays of the passing game, running games, defense, whatever you need. Uh, TJ's going to throw out there at you. Plus, our rate and review t-shirt giveaway. Is that still a thing? Yeah, people are still checking in, leaving us really nice five-star ratings. Uh, if you do so, we automatically take you and enter you into a contest to be entered to some nice uh, 4 for 4 swag. So if you want to rep the 4 for 4 brand, just leave us one of those comments. And this week's winner, 7795Jim, left us a nice five-star review. So 7795Jim, hit me up on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. I'll get you hooked up with the details on how to claim that free t-shirt. TJ sounded fresh tonight. You know, he went to sleep at 1030 on New Year's Eve. And yeah, I then wish. You wake up the next day. <laughs> you, you went to sleep 1030 the next day. You gutted through it. You're back. It's good to have you on the air. I'm, I'm, sur- I'm glad you survived New Year's, dude. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I made it through. Happy New Year to you, to all the listeners. Uh, ready to get into this playoff slate. We're going to do things a little bit different. We won't have a theory segment, but we will go through uh, all of our favorite plays in each game just because you on, on this four-game slate, you can make an argument that uh, pretty much any starter is in play. So we'll go through and talk about who we think are the most important ones. And this is really um, how I got started in DFS, TJ, mm-hmm. was playing the postseason. I was just looking for something to do after a long season uh, of, uh, of season long. Boom, I did it. And yeah. I've been hooked ever since. I absolutely love playoff football. I do. I That's like it. it. One of my favorite weeks is, is Thanksgiving week. That's one of my the most fun slates every year. And so we get a couple weeks of very similar action here in DFS. So it's, it's fun. Uh, the strategy is a little different. We'll talk about that a little bit as we jump through these games. But, uh, but yeah, it should be, a, should be a fun week. Interesting week. Uh, not too many teams that are expected to, to have really high scores. Only one game with an over-under above 43. Only one team projected for more than 23 points. But, uh, but that, that could be a good thing because it means a lot of spots will get ignored. All right, so here we go. We got uh, one game of the four with a game total above 43. So these mm-hmm. are projected to be lower-scoring games. Um, you've got, what, one team projected for more than 23 yep. points? That's yep. it. Only so the Texans. As we sit here on Wednesday night, early into Thursday morning, uh, it's Houston minus a uh, point and a hook. And then uh, the Colts here, the, the game total, this is at 48, which really it seems like for this first weekend is an astronomical number. 
Sure. Each each uh, round of the playoffs on these shorter slates, uh, a lot of times uh, a strategy that I like to use is look for uh, a game to stack or at least build your lineups in a way where you can tell yourself a story how the week plays out to help you exactly. Uh, and, and with this game, a lot of people will look to, to stack this game, but you, you can still stack the chalk game and still come up with some contrarian plays or unique lineups. You don't have to have, even on the short slate, you don't have to have a bunch of uh, super low on guys. Really, there there aren't that many that go overlooked anyway because there's, there's so few options. Uh, we're gonna see, You'll see higher ownership on, on some less popular guys. Number three wide receivers pushing 10% ownership, backup running backs pushing 10% ownership. So it's a little different animal for sure. All right, let's start with Houston and the passing game with Deshaun Watson. 8,400 FanDuel, 6,700 on DraftKings. And the rest of it, let, let's just go through the rest of the crew here. Mm-hmm. Nook Hopkins, 8,800 FanDuel, 8,700 DK. DeAndre Carter, um, 5,200 FanDuel, 3,300 DraftKings. Kiki QT, 5,600 FanDuel, 4,000 DK. So uh, that's the passing game mm-hmm. in a nutshell there. And I guess all those guys are in play, including QT coming off uh, another hamstring issue. Sure. So this is probably going to be the chalk battery Watson to Hopkins this week. I think Hopkins will probably end up being a a top two uh, owned player across all of across all positions across the entire slate. And then Watson, we have him projected as our top quarterback value on both sides. Watson, uh, he's a highest scoring quarterback over the final month of the season, over 300 total yards in each of his final four games, including uh, games of 35 plus rushing yards in three of those. So when he was battling the the chest injury in the middle of the season, that's the the element of his game that we were really missing. But he finally is putting it all back together over this final month. And obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be his go-to target. Hopkins led the league in target share over the final six weeks. And uh, the Colts, they are top five in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers. But uh, Hopkins should spend most of the day matched up against Pierre Desir, who among the wild-card starting cornerbacks, Desir has allowed the fourth most yards per target over the last six weeks. So like I said, these two guys should be very... Very highly owned and while this is probably going to be the most popular offense what we want to do is go through and see are there guys that we could find that are are dart throws or at least just have some some moderate ownership because even if you do have a Watson Hopkins the way you can make it unique is by either just going all in on this game maybe having like six or seven players total from this game or at least just going big on on one side of the ball so if you want to go Watson and Hopkins and try to make a unique uh, Texans lineup, then you could throw in a couple of, of these guys. DeAndre Carter uh, with with Kute uh, not practicing or, or missing a, a lot of time lately. Carter's played 70% of the snaps in the last two games, five-plus targets in each of those games. So he should draw some decent ownership. And then with Kute um, practicing in full this week, I think he is a guy that could come in and and be relatively low-owned, even though last time he played a full game, he led the team in targets with nine. Uh, a couple of dart throws worth looking at here. Indianapolis, I mentioned, they rank top five in, in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. The Colts rank 31st in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. So Ryan Griffin and Jordan Thomas, uh, the tight ends for the Texans, they're worthy of dart throws. They're, they're near minimum salary or at minimum salary. 
Ryan Griffin is top 10 in tight end snaps over the last month of the season. And these are the type of plays where you're you're looking to open up a bunch of salary and you're really just hoping for a score because nothing indicates that uh, Griffin or Thomas are going to see seven or eight targets. Uh, the matchup is very good, but they're, they're not going to be high-owned guys and you're not going to make them the building blocks of your, your tournament lineups. But uh, if you have them in 5 to 7% of your lineups, all of a sudden you could have some pretty nice leverage on this field if, if they score one and especially two touchdowns. That is quite the dart throw. I think Mo Alley Cox is probably yeah. in that same exact mm-hmm. vein as we move on over to the uh, the Colts, and, he, and he's just seeing the target a game. It, right. Unfortunately, last week I think it was in the middle of the field, if I remember correctly. But mm-hmm. here we go. Let's go down the Colts side of things. Uh, before we do, I got one thing to throw out: two of the three highest receiving yard totals um, put up against the Colts this year came. In that Texans game, uh, mm-hmm. Hopkins had 10 for 169, the touchdown, and QT had 11 catches for 109 yards. So QT was healthy, and he absolutely ate um, this season. Big game there. Then on Indianapolis' side, how about Andrew Luck? Mm-hmm. You know, just look at the uh, next-gen stats here. The the uh, the A dot has consistently uh, risen. He's completely mm-hmm. healthy. He's been healthy for a couple of months now. He's 8,000 on FanDuel, 6,400 on DK. Uh, what do you think about Andrew Luck this week? Uh, next to Watson, I think he'll probably be uh, at the most owned or, or the second most owned quarterback on this slate just because Houston, uh, if if we adjust for strength of schedule, they rank 28th in, in quarterback adjusted fantasy points allowed. Uh, you're actually getting luck at a discount to Watson. As I mentioned, Watson's been tearing it up over the final month of the season, so it makes sense that he's priced up uh, because salary is based so much on, on recent performance, but Luck does have the easiest on-paper matchup of the slate, and the Colts are top three in neutral passing rate over the last six weeks of the season. Obviously, the top uh, on this slate, and the the natural guys to pair Andrew Luck up with are going to be T.Y. Hilton, 7,700 FanDuel, 7,800 DraftKings, and Eric Ebron, who's 6,600 FanDuel, uh, 5,200 on DraftKings. The Houston's weakness uh, is... Just the passing game period, 30th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers, uh, last in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends, and that's why the the Mo Alley-Cox is probably another good dart throw. Again, it's the same process there. You're just looking for guys that are, that are getting snaps that are going to be on the field and that can maybe hit value with just a touchdown. And when you're, when you're doing that with the min price tight end, it just opens up a, a lot of options to get up to more reliable studs. Even on a short slate, just getting up to a bunch of studs can be unique in its own right because people aren't generally going to be going after the Moai Cox, the Ryan Griffin type plays. Um, so, so those are uh, those are really great plays. And and T. Y. Hilton, no matter uh, where he lines up, Jonathan Joseph and Sharice Wright, the the Texans outside cornerbacks, both bottom three in yards per target uh, among the starting cornerbacks this week over the last six weeks. And for that reason, and and because both of those cornerbacks have struggled so badly. Um, you can go with the ancillary targets here, the low on plays, Dontrell Inman and Chester Rogers. They're both seeing similar target shares over the last six weeks. Both have 11 targets over the last two weeks. 
So you don't want to go into a week like this and just say, I need a low one guy. Let me get the wide receiver three on, on any slate or on any game. Um, it just happens that in this game is where we can stack those guys, where we can throw in those dart throws like the Inman, the, like the Rogers. And that's how you make a stack in a game like this unique. Man, um, just look at that pass again there. Luck to Hilton should be uh, pretty popular there mm-hmm. in GPPs. Right. So his last seven games, Hilton at Houston, 41 catches, 933 yards, and seven TDs. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of those were without Andrew Luck, too. He absolutely yeah. feasts up there. So how sure. if you see something like that, how much do you take into account having to get that player into your lineup? Um, I, on, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily forcing it just for that reason it's just they they're just the the top plays um of of these situations so in terms of the pass game if we're talking about just the receivers i'm i'm going to have that receiver almost all the time in the game stacks where i can get away from it is if i likes if if i'm gonna stack another game or, or have another quarterback that I'm very high on, then I might get away from a player like the TY. But the thing I'm I'm probably not going to do is I'm probably not going to have a Watson stack or a Luck stack with just one single pass catcher or just have them be the only uh, two players from that game in my lineup. I'm not going to stack uh, TY and Luck and then try to make it unique by having a bunch of other guys from different games. I think in this situation, if you're going to stack quarterbacks from this game, I'm probably just going to go for a full game stack for the most part. I think that's a huge uh, tip you just gave right there. It's a it's a great way to go in. That's the type of strategy that mm-hmm. you get one of those games to blow up. Boom. I mean, that's <laughs> it's, it's as simple as that. What were you saying before the show? It was just one out of the four games really had that last year? I don't have a good memory of what happened last yeah, year. Yeah, so uh, it's just on on these smaller slates. A lot of times, if you, if you can pinpoint that one or or think about it in terms of of like we do about player shares, if we're going to be really overweight um, on on a player, instead just think about being really overweight on a game. So if we think that it's going to be the most popular game, this Indy Houston game, um, maybe something like 30, 20, 30% of the lineups will have those stacks or at least a game stack like that. Um, so maybe half of our lineups just are really heavy game stacks there. So we're not necessarily going all in on, on one game, but maybe coming up with a strategy where instead of just spreading it all out, we're just stacking games in each lineup, or that's what we're doing for the most part. Obviously, varying up our strategy a little bit, but I think in this case, that's probably my predominant strategy for for this wildcard weekend at least. How about the running backs in these games here? Lamar Miller, 6,400 Fandle, mm-hmm. 4,900 DK. Naeem Hines, 4,800 Fandle, 3,500 DraftKings. Uh, Hines is a guy, just like you, that I kind of look at. A lot of targets, so maybe a little bit more valuable on DraftKings. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a spot where the spread's only one and a half, so Lamar Miller and Marlon Mack, the two starting running backs, are obviously both in play here. Lamar Miller, just 6,400 Fanduel, 4,900 on DraftKings, projects as a much better value uh, to us. Top three value on both sides. I, I do think he will be among the highest owned running backs on this slate, and 
uh, Marlon Mack will draw some ownership himself, but Naheem Hines, I wanted to mention him specifically because he's probably my favorite low on running back to target, or at least my favorite uh, running back that, that isn't in a timeshare um, that is, is actually the backup to target because you're getting so many targets in that passing game. It's been so consistent lately, five targets in each of the last five games. And then Hines' price tag, 4,800 Fandle, 3,500 DraftKings, is, it's going to open up a lot of things in a, a way where um, maybe people recognize that going with the cheap tight end or cheap wide receiver is a way to open up salary. This can really lead to a overall unique build by having this very cheap running back in your lineup. Mm. So we got uh, those are the options there for uh, for that game. Let's move on to Dallas and Seattle with the Cowboys point and a half favorite home against the Seahawks, and the game total is just forty three here, TJ. Um, so slight favorites for Dallas expected, at least Vegas expected to be a low scoring game. Mm-hmm. That's what the line they're putting out there. Let's start with the passing games. Then, uh, you're still going to want a piece of both of these teams. Yep. You're playing a lot of entries in GPP. So where would you want to go in the Dallas passing game? Sure. The, the Sunday games we'll, we'll get to obviously are, are games where I'm going to want one side or the other, probably just one side. If I'm going to stack another game besides uh, Houston and Indy, or, or if I'm going to uh, have some small percentage of game stacks, this is the one that I'm looking to. Um, the, the usual suspects here for Dallas, obviously, are Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, uh, and we'll get to the running backs and Ezekiel Elliott. But we actually don't have a, uh, a player on the Cowboys outside of, of the big three with a, a leverage score on four for four above one. And basically what that, that tells us is players that we suggest at four for four that you should be overweight on relative to their expected ownership. So obviously we're going to have Dak and Amari in the mix there uh, for, for players that we want to stack. Uh, Dak Prescott has, uh, he's a top three value value on both sites against the Seattle defense rank 27th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. And then Amari Cooper is a top three value on both sites, 6,700 FanDuel, 7,500 on DraftKings. The thing I, I like about uh, the, the Dallas passing game is Cooper and Michael Gallup, they're both going to see time against Trey Flowers. Uh, but Michael Gallup should actually see more time against Trey Flowers based on percentage of time on each side of the field. Of starting quarterbacks in this uh, in this wildcard week, and Flowers last in yards per target over the final six weeks. So that's a premier matchup to chase. And if you're going to, um, to stack this spot... I, and you're looking for for a low-owned player in this passing game, I actually like Michael Gallup over Blake Jarwin. I don't think Blake Jarwin's going to be low-owned because there are so few options, but relative to Cooper and Prescott, he's going to be a little bit lower-owned. So if we're looking for a second pass catcher, uh, I actually like Gallup here just because I think the field will be on Jarwin a little bit more. And Seattle, as bad as they've been on pass defense, they've been top 10 uh, on 4 for 4 against tight ends. All right, so uh, that's one side of the coin. Let's move over to Seattle now and Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. who actually, it seems as though every year, maybe my, my mind is lying to me again, but uh, Russell Wilson gets off these slow starts and he finishes so strong. Yeah. And you know, he's got a healthier Doug Baldwin at this point. Uh, Lockett's still there. David Moore, you got a couple of tight ends as options. So you start with Russell Wilson, 7,800 FanDuel, 5,700 DraftKings. What does he have going for him? Uh, efficiency and that's what he always has going for him this isn't an offense that is ever going to be high volume but year in and year out including this year Russell Wilson is just 
consistently one of the most efficient fantasy scorers in in the league at quarterback and that's the reason that if there's a game I'm going to stack it's going to be this one because yes Dallas's defense has been very good but um but Seattle's defense is they they're vulnerable to the pass and Russell Wilson has efficiency going for him that's something that's always going to be able to overcome matchup and overcome volume over the final six weeks of the season uh Russell Wilson top in fantasy points per pass attempt I already mentioned that I, I really like game stacking this one outside of, of Houston and Indy and and again, the the floor play here with Russell Wilson is Doug Baldwin at seventy two hundred on Fanduel, sixty two hundred on DraftKings. Uh, even through those injuries, Baldwin closed out the season eighth in target share over the final six weeks. Uh, he's going to um, to play against Jordan Lewis a lot, which is a little bit of a hindrance to him. Dallas's slot corner Jordan Lewis has allowed the fewest yards per target over the last six weeks. So that that is a little matchup hiccup there for him, but I still do expect Baldwin to see the most targets in the Seattle offense. Uh, the guy that I'm looking to, if I'm going for a contrarian play this week in the Seattle offense, is David Moore, uh, especially if Baldwin is at full health and, health and um, Lockett doesn't get extra starting snaps david moore 28 fewer uh air yards than baldwin but that's on 14 fewer targets 60 more air yards than tyler lockett over the past six weeks that's on one fewer target and the best matchup for seattle's cornerbacks is byron jones and david moore should see the most time against byron jones uh kind of similar to to houston Ed Dixon and Nick Vanette have been splitting time. Uh, so they are men's salary dart throws, just kind of hoping for a score here. Um, but they're, they've been on the field enough where they should warrant on this slate uh, a, a very cheap um, dart throw. And, and just it'll only take a couple uh, lineups to have those guys. And if you do decide to stack this game to be unique, again, they're not guys that I'm going to make the, the cornerstones stones of my lineup, but they both play enough snaps where on this small slate, uh, a touchdown could make a big difference. All right, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, 8,800 FanDuel, 9,000 DK. If you are making 100 lineups in GPPs, how many are you having Ezekiel Elliott in? What's a sweet um, spot? Ah, uh, man, if – so on just a four-game slate like this, I'm, unless I have someone to pivot to or someone that's as reliable as Zeke, um, I'm going to be very close to all ends. Conservatively, mm-hmm. I would say 75 to 80%. Um but again, that I could be a little more meticulous with that if I'm playing 100 lineups. If I'm playing 10 lineups, it's really going to be hard to have uh, more than one lineup without Zeke. Whereas if if I'm playing 75 um, out of 100, it's just it's a little different. It's it's it would be hard for me to only have seven Zeke lineups out of out of my 10. Um, so that's a long way of saying probably somewhere in that 70 to 85% range, just depending on, on how many, because you just can't replicate the volume. I mean, we don't need to talk about his, his touch share or how much of this offense he accounts for. It's just there. This isn't a spot where you need to be doing a hard fade on, on the best player on the slate. Um, the the interesting thing that you can look to here is on the other side of the ball is Chris Carson. So how do you want to handle that? Because generally people aren't going to want to play two running backs in the same game, but we are expecting this game to remain relatively close. So uh, Chris Carson should get his usual run. He's 
top five in team touch share over the last six weeks. I think the most interesting thing about Carson is handling him between the two sites because he's priced very similar to Marlon Mack, who we already talked about, and Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, who we'll get to later on FanDuel. But Carson is priced way higher on DraftKings. So I think there is a leverage opportunity to be a little overweight on the field in Chris Carson because I think people are going to see Carson's name priced up above those guys that I just mentioned and think I'd rather have Mac Howard Cohen in these what could be better spots depending on how you want to look at it uh, but that should drive down his oppor- uh, his his ownership a little bit on DraftKings so I, th- I think that's definitely worth noting that's going to be a really interesting thing to see how it plays out because that's one of the few big price discrepancies that I see across the sites this week. I mean, Carson has scored in six to seven. He gets some sporadic work mm-hmm. in the passing game, and he's basically just touched. He's going to touch the ball 20 times right. at a minimum, at a minimum. Right. So I, I see why, you know, there's some, maybe some bigger names like a Melvin Gordon or, mm-hmm. uh, or, heck, I don't even know. Maybe Lamar Miller is a bigger name than him at this point. But, yeah, it's, that's somebody that is going up against, a, what is it, our, maybe Dallas the middle of the road run defense you know at least you look at AFPA yeah. they're 18th yeah we have Dallas Drake 18th so um so not something that is is going to keep you from from playing a running back there uh anybody else in the running games and which defense do you prefer if there is one I think I'm sticking to the main guys in this running game uh, obviously Dallas is in play is the home favorite but one thing I like to do on these short slates is look for uh, a road underdog usually the road team in, in these playoff games is the underdog anyway but if you could find a road underdog that uh, you think could pull off the upset and kind of plant your flag and be overweight there then uh, then that's a good spot to go and I actually like Seattle here as as that defense to target again even if you only have it's it's unique because our quarterbacks and, and, and uh, defenses, I'll talk about this more when we get to our Sunday games, but our, our quarterbacks and defenses all of a sudden have, uh, they don't have that flat ownership that we see in the regular season. So we could see a defense owned in 25 to 30% of lineups and another defense owned in less than 5%. We just don't get that on a full slate. And I think Seattle can be uh, that, that low owned defense that, that could blow up. Both of these offensive lines are bottom five and adjusted sack rate allowed. Uh, Dallas is I like targeting them because they've thrown at the seventh highest rate in neutral situations over the final six weeks. They've they've really continued to pass more and more, and that means more opportunities for sacks and turnovers behind a bad offensive line. And the spread on this game, I mean, it's only one and a half, so it's 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 obviously uh, well within the range of outcomes to have Seattle pull off the upset here. All right, so uh, let's let's move on here. We know the fantasy football season it's uh, winding down, but it really is picking up here for the playoffs. And we partnered up with DraftKings to bring you any of our four for four memberships for free. All you got to do is go to four for four dot com backslash DraftKings. Follow the instructions. You get full access to our most accurate rankings, lineup generator, optimal liners, premium articles. All the great features in our plan, all for five bucks. And then you can enter it into contests, potentially win some more. So we are very excited to bring you this deal. If you want access right now, go to 444.com backslash DraftKings and follow the instructions. All right, TJ, Baltimore, three-point favorites Mm -hmm. against the Chargers. Um, What do you think about these pass? This is fascinating, these passing games. Lamar Jackson has already seen the Chargers. They've already seen him. Do they make the adjustment? Can they shut him down? I mean, this this to me is the most fascinating matchup 
of all the wild card games. It's it's definitely the most fascinating, especially because they just played each other two weeks ago. But as from DFS standpoint, Sunday um, it really ramps down in terms of of potential blow up games. Both games projected for only forty one points. The first one we have Baltimore favored by three against the Chargers, and both of these passing defenses rank in the top five in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to uh, to opposing quarterbacks. We don't have any player in, on either site in either passing game projected for a leverage score above one. So basically 4 for 4 is telling us don't be overweight on anyone uh, in either of these passing games. Lamar Jackson, 8,200 FanDuel, 5,800 on DraftKings, priced way up on FanDuel. The Chargers are the only defense to hold Lamar under 70 rushing yards. He only had 39 against the Chargers a couple weeks ago. Obviously, if we're not going to have a ton of Lamar, not a lot of spots that we're going to fall in love with in, in terms of the pass catchers, especially because so many of his dropbacks turn into runs, and he has spread the ball around quite a bit. Uh, if if you are going to play some Lamar, which on this short slate, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say you should go 0% on any starter. You could obviously make an argument, especially with Lamar's legs, that uh, that he can do some damage in tournaments. But John Brown's the only Raven with a target share over 20% over the last six weeks. He will be lined up against Casey Hayward, who's allowed the most yards per target among corners in that span. But uh, none of these wide receivers hit five PPR points against the Chargers. Uh, it was only their tight ends. I believe it was Mark Andrews that had the long score that made his day look look decent. Um, but there was just not much, not much to uh, to hang your hat on when these teams played each other a couple weeks ago. And and I don't know that it gets better for the Ravens this week. Yep. And uh, yeah, he had that uh, two catches, eighty three yards, and a touchdown. In that game against the Chargers, it was a big, big run uh, for a touchdown there. So the Chargers side of things, good old Phillip Rivers, he's back in the playoffs, man. And uh, 7,600 FanDuel, 5,900 DK. And, I mean, what do you – it's the best defense in the NFL on the road. I mean, come on, what are you expecting out of the guy? And the – unlike Russell Wilson, Phillip Rivers – was one of the most efficient quarterbacks over the first nine, 10 weeks of the season. And and he's kind of fallen off a cliff. We have him as our worst quarterback value on both sides. It's not like he's super cheap and and you're getting uh, a great value against the bad defense. And over the past six weeks, 15th in fantasy points per pass attempt uh, among quarterbacks. So again, it's same situation, tough defense, low scoring game. Uh, We're not expecting, uh, either offense to really blow up so we're we're really only using riffers rivers for uh differentiation keenan allen a little bit of, of a different story just because wide receivers can overcome that tough matchup um just five for 58 in the last game but he still saw eight targets so i would still consider allen a a pseudo floor play i think ty and and deandre hopkins you're going to feel a lot more comfortable with but uh Another interesting price discrepancy. We have Keenan Allen nine hundred dollars cheaper than D, uh, than Ty on DraftKings, but only one hundred dollars cheaper than Ty on FanDuel. So you are getting some value on Keenan Allen uh, on on DraftKings. I I did mention that none of the primary pass catchers had a or or quarterbacks had a leverage score above one on four for four. Mike Williams is the only Charger with a leverage score above one um, on either side in the passing game. So if you are looking. For a cheap wide receiver to be overweight on, uh, for four things, it's Mike Williams. Hmm, very good. And then we don't know about Hunter Henry. We'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, what Even comes around, he's a dart, right? 
even if he plays, they're talking about a pitch count um, in, a, in a playoff game. So if he's active, I think the name is going to drive his ownership more than it should be for this spot. Uh, so he's probably not a guy I'm looking to. I'm probably looking for those those outside deep ball guys and, and hope they, they could break one in this game. All right, let's look on the uh, running games here. So Melvin Gordon, he says he's feeling great. They pulled him last week just as precaution. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine with Melvin Gordon. Eckler is practicing. Uh, that's the Chargers side. I mean, maybe Justin Jackson sees a, a couple of snaps. And then there's Kenneth Dixon. I know it's a guy you want to talk about in the Baltimore running game. Um, you also have you know Gus Edwards handling a ton of just the carries and mm-hmm. no work in the passing game. Yeah, I'll I'll start with Gordon because I think this is probably the most interesting situation in terms of uh, player selection on the slate because we have Gordon as a top two value on FanDuel, uh, but he's down as a number seven value on DraftKings, priced up at 8,400 on FanDuel, 7,700 on DraftKings. But like you said, he's dealing with, with a couple of injuries, but he says he's ready to go. Uh, in a playoff game, I, I fully expect him to, to get – uh, at least somewhere close to his regular workload. They're, they obviously have to win this game to keep their season going. So we have a potential spot where even though the matchup is bad, even though they're on the road, we don't who, – who else – where else are you going to get low-owned 20 touches on a short slate? And that could be the situation here. So I'm very interested to see how his ownership pans out. I believe right now we have him projected for uh, right around the 15% mark. If he's fully healthy, I don't care about the matchup. I think he's usually pushing 25 to 30% regardless of the matchup here. So this is a really interesting spot. And I think this is the spot that can win people GPPs. If you if you have it to go in on Gordon, have 40% of him, I, I really think this is a situation that could win tournaments this week. Um, on the other side of the ball... Kenneth Dixon, 6,800 Fandle, 4,000 DraftKings. Gus Edwards, 7,200 Fandle, 4,200 DraftKings. These guys are basically in a timeshare now. Uh, It was creeping towards uh, a little more Dixon. And then all of a sudden, last week, week 17, they need to win the game to win the division. And Dixon gets equal touches to Edwards. To me, that's very, very telling going into the playoffs. Uh, Across both teams on both sides, Kenneth Dixon has our highest leverage score of this game on four for four so if if there's two players i'm targeting in this game it's melvin gordon and kenneth dixon all right very good and the ravens defense you gotta love the ravens defense again the best in real life and they're right there in fantasy too tons of sacks Mm -hmm. and rivers is regressed as you said they're and they're not priced so high that it's um it's impossible to get to them and no defense actually will obviously get to to the last game is is uh impossibly expensive Baltimore has the highest adjusted sack rate of any defense on this slate over the past six weeks. Phillip Rivers has the highest interception rate of any of the quarterback starters on this slate. Uh, so so that's something definitely to pay attention to. And, and Chargers, they've slowed it down a little bit, but they still throw at a relatively high rate. All right, let's move on to the uh, final game. we got the Bears, six-point favorites at home against Philadelphia. The mm-hmm. lowest game total of the weekend, 41 points here. Uh, although Chicago's um, looking to see it about 23 and a half and then, mm-hmm. you know, Philadelphia, the lower scoring team here. But let's start with Chicago because Mitch Trubisky, I mean, this guy blows up. And when he does blow up, he blows up at home. This this yep. could be a fascinating place for him to just put up some huge numbers in that game. Wow. 
And if you're going to save a, a Sunday night hammer um, and you're going to play uh, a passing offense from Sunday, uh, it's it's got to be the Bears. Mitch Trubisky, 7,700 on FanDuel, 6,200 on DraftKings. Philadelphia ranks 24th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. And this is... Again, some I think we talked about this. Uh, we we talked about this last week or the week before with um, with games on, on. Oh, we talked about it during the Yahoo contest with the with the late swap. This is a situation where people that have been playing DFS just for a year or two might not have a lot of experience in the Sunday night hammer in having players left uh, for the late swap with the game starting on Saturday. So there could be a situation where you might want to leave a couple lineups with some players from this late game because say you go you go hard on Indy and Houston, your team blows up, you're sitting there near the top of the rankings, uh, you need your score to hold, maybe you only have one player left, maybe it's a pass catcher in this Chicago offense, at least you give yourself a chance for, for game theory. Say you're 50-50 on should I go Taylor Gabriel or, or one of the Indy or Houston secondary pass catchers, if you have them ranked evenly, at the very least, Gabriel could give you some leverage in terms of possible game theory. You can look to the lineups ahead of you and recognize if you need to late swap a a guy from this game. So so keep that in mind that if you if you have guys left in this late game, you definitely want to be going uh, through the lineups ahead of you, especially if you're you're ranked very high and and looking for potential late swaps to maybe jump into a top ten, maybe jump into first place. So uh, keep that in mind uh, if you're if you're going to play any of these guys the the players that 444 likes the most to pair up with Mitch Trubisky in terms of leverage scores uh suggests being overweight on Trey Burton and Taylor Gabriel Burton 6200 on Fandle 4400 on DraftKings Gabriel 5000 on Fandle 4500 on DraftKings the Eagles rank 28th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed uh to wide receivers and Gabriel should see the most time against Rasul Douglas, who has been Philadelphia's worst corner uh, in terms of yards per target. But because Chicago does rotate their receivers around the formation a lot, I actually think even though Allen Robinson has a a leverage score slightly below one, I think having a a, a pretty fair amount of all three of these pass catchers is, is a good idea if you're going to stack this game. The one spot Philadelphia has been very good is versus the slot, so that could hurt Anthony Miller's prospects a little bit. All right, so, and we'll get to Tariq Cohen too in just mm-hmm. a little bit because Tariq Cohen to me is a integral part of that passing yeah. game, especially in the red zone um, on third downs. But we'll go to Philadelphia first. Nick Foles doing it again. Uh, what is this, his shoulder? Is uh, Nick Foles, mm-hmm. they say he's going to play, though. He's a little bit banged up. Zach Ertz um, in, in the passing game. Your thoughts on Alshon Jeffrey at 7,400 FanDuel, 5,900 DK. Yeah, he's talking trash about Chicago. He didn't have a good time there. Are we using Narrative Street this week? I th- I think we have to use Narrative Street. Uh, Nick Foles is, is it's, it's, it's going to be hard to really go hard on this Philadelphia passing game or, or any of these Philadelphia offensive pieces just because Chicago is so good on defense. They're the biggest favorite of the week. They're at home. Philadelphia uh, has the lowest projected point total of the week. Um, Chicago second in quarterback adjusted fantasy points allowed. Uh, but again, I talked about earlier, the most interesting thing of these short slates is we get this huge gap in ownership at the onesie positions, especially at quarterback and defense that we just don't see in the regular season. So this week, 
we're probably going to see guys like Watson, guys like Luck, uh, push that 20, 25, maybe even 30% ownership mark. And then we're going to see a guy like Nick Foles probably going to be owned in less than 5% of the lineup. So you're going to have a leverage opportunity that we never have in the regular season. So you could get Nick Foles as the only quarterback owned below 5%. Uh, you only need him in a couple lineups. If you have if you have 100 lineups, you could make five Nick Foles lineups and be overweight on the field. And the, the obvious... Uh, target that I think people are going to look to pair him up with is probably going to be Zach Ertz just because uh, because of his name recognition because the the um, tight end is is so barren and if there is a Chicago doesn't have a weakness but their lowest schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed ranking is tenth against tight ends so the top ten in in every against every skill position but uh, leverage scores point to Alshon. Um, so if if you're are going to just look for that low ownership on uh on your quarterback which is hard to get then um I think it's it's probably a good idea to have Alshon cuz I think Zach Ertz will still still be uh relatively popular just cuz there are so few tight ends but unlike those other stacks that I was talking about at the top of the podcast I think you could go just Nick Foles and one of his pass catchers and then round out the rest of your lineup with with players from other teams, unlike where we just want to game stack those other ones or at least the Indy and Houston game. If you decide to go with the Foles and Jeffrey lineup, I think that could be unique enough uh, to make maybe your studs from those other games uh, a unique lineup. All right, so... We'll wrap it up with the running games here. And just on the Chicago side, you got Jordan Howard coming off a monster game and Tariq Cohen at 7,000 FanDuel, 5,400 DK. Then Howard's at 7,600, so 600 more on FanDuel. And he's uh, plenty, what is he, $800 less on DraftKings. Mm -hmm. So Tariq Cohen, to to me, really stands out because of the passing work he gets in the red zone. I'm a, I'm a big fan of this kid. He can bust one. You want explosive, right? You just want one guy that can break a big play. Absolutely. And, and Jordan Howard, he's going to get consistent work. Uh, they're still right around 60-40 touch and snap share where they've been all season. But Cohen's just more explosive. We have Cohen projected as, as the better value on both sides. We have Cohen projected as a top two value at running back on DraftKings. So both of these guys, running back, I don't think you need to get too cute. You don't, like I said, Naheem Hines, I, I'm fine throwing some Hines in there. But for me this week, I just have my, my four co-running backs, core running backs are going to be Zeke, Lamar Miller, and then Cohen and Jordan Howard. So if you're looking to get a running back in flex, especially on FanDuel, uh, those are the four guys that I'll be rotating. You can get cute and have a Cohen and Howard lineup. I, I wouldn't do that a ton, but I think that's definitely a way to to make a unique lineup because I think both Cohen and Howard are going to draw substantial ownership as the biggest favorite of the week is six-point favorites. Philly is last in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back. So I, I'm, I'm not scared off by the ownership of these running backs is what I'm saying. I, I, I do think... Cohen and Howard will both be around uh, around that 20% mark, but uh, I'm fine eating the chalk there at running back. I'd love to make a case for Darren Sproles on the Philadelphia side, but it's tough, man. I mean, this, it is. He's had he has had nine targets or nine catches inside the 20 this year, and he's had limited action. So it's a guy that at least is is getting some work when he's on the field. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's again if if you're going with Sproles, it's as um, 
it's more as a, a flex dart throw and you're probably doing it with one other really cheap um, off the radar player just to get up to some big studs. So probably if, if I go that route, it's because I wanted to jam in something like, I don't know, Melvin with Zeke and then still get an, an expensive pass catcher or something like that. But I'm, I'm definitely not doing it as a core. I'm not doing it with, with another dart throw running back. It's definitely be in isolation um, uh, with other uh, chalk running backs. All right, very good. Defenses, I mean, Chicago. We talked about the Ravens being a great play. How about Chicago? Uh, they're they're probably going to be the chalk defense, so I, I I understand going a little bit underweight on them. I wouldn't be surprised to see them push thirty percent ownership. Uh, they're they're expensive, fifty five hundred on Fanduel, thirty four hundred on DraftKings, but they're still our top value on both sites. Anywhere I, I have Cohen and Howard, I'm I'm going to look to Chicago first because of the correlation, and they'll be in a fair amount amount of my lineup. So I'm not going to shy away from them. Definitely not going to fade them. But if you think they're going to be over 25% owned, you only have them in in 15 or 20% of your lineups. Um, uh, I'm not going to hate that. But uh, but if if you're confident, um, it's it's there's so few options that they are the biggest favorite. I, it's one of the few situations because the slate is so small that you can't eat the chalk at defense, even though I generally don't like doing that. All right, man, that's it. We did it. Week 18 is in the books. We only got two more shows. Two more shows. Yeah. Uh, So good luck to everybody. Hopefully you guys stick with us uh, through the end. If you listen to this pod and still want to sign up, you can still get 25% off uh, of our $39 price tag, just using promo code DFS MVP. It could definitely pay for itself very quickly. Uh, with with a nice DFS score. If you like what we do, rate and review our show on iTunes. Give us a five star review, and we'll enter your name to be uh, to be drawn for a free four four T shirt. And if you like us even more, you can find us both on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at TG Hernandez. Holden is on Twitter at Holden Radio. We'll talk to you guys in the divisional round. They wanna know how many bombs have I ripped and wrecked But researchers never found all the pieces yet Scientists try to solve the context Philosophers are wondering what's next Pieces took the lab to observe them They couldn't absorb them, they didn't deserve them My ideas are only for the audience ears My opponents, it might take years Pencils, pens, and scores